Well, I want to welcome Kevin back here to Systematically Wild. Kevin Luco, let's talk a little bit about you were down watching Minnesota this week, first of all, so we'll start with the big club. Your thoughts on the Minnesota Wild is, you know, they're looking to try to get on a roll here early on, heading to the road for the first time. I would uh, say it was a very good road trip for this team, and, you know, as we were talking about, maybe it was a good thing for this team to get on the road and bond a bit and find their identity, and I believe that was accomplished in a road trip in which they went 3-1-1. One, and one. Now the injuries are piling up a little bit with injuries to or Jordan Greenway is still out. Marcus Foligno was hurt on Saturday, and Ryan Hartman got hurt on Sunday night, so I think we're going to see some attempts in the organizational depth as we go along in the next week or so. But, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury was announced as the NHL's third start of the week for this past week, and when you go back about two weeks ago, we were wondering what the heck the Wild were going to do about their goaltending situation. Well, looks like things have sorted themselves out. Um, Philip Gustafson got in one game, and he also did very good, too. So maybe maybe we're not as bad off as um, you know some of the people more apt to panic would think we were. Nine total goals the club gave up in those four games last week, which I think, as you talked about, Seven total goals. I'm sorry, I said nine. Seven total goals. Um, as you talked about, you know, there was some question marks about where this team was going to go with goaltending. Um, the only real bad, I guess, if you want to give performance, was that four to three shootout victory over Chicago on Saturday. And you know, that's a division rival that can get quite heated. And I, I you know, I, I don't, I don't think I saw any bad performance out of them. They were very consistent, and I, I think all both goaltenders looked good for them. And. Sure, it was three goals against on Sunday night, but I I had no problem with Fleury's game. Uh, the first goal it was I maybe a little shaky, but I think it was a shot from the point. But it looked like there was a couple of very good screens in front of him. Also, second goal, puck bounces in from the hits the back wall, bounces into the crease. There's a mad scramble, and Jonathan Taves is able to push it in. The third goal by Anthony. Athanasu, Matt Dumbo was just completely undressed, and then it was just a perfect shot into the corner. So even in giving up three goals, I thought Fleury played very well on Sunday. And after the game, the United Center ice crew came up, came out and scraped uh, Matt Dumbo's jock off the ice. <laughs> well, all right. Uh, so start out the road series there, Kevin, with a 4-3 overtime loss in Boston. You and I talked about that last week. Then travel on to Montreal where they went 3-1, to not an easy place to play. Uh, win 4-2 to in Ottawa, then drop a 2-1 to loss in Detroit. 4-3 to shootout victory over Chicago on Saturday. Three very tough stadiums out there. No offense, Ottawa. <laughs> but... Uh, you know, come away with some big victories in places that are traditionally tough for road teams to come in and win in. And, you know, I've got to feel pretty good about where this team is at, especially considering had a tough start on at home to begin the year. Well, I think Dean Evison put it right, is that the team just needed to find its identity as just a hardworking team and a team that uh, isn't afraid to go and get those um, goals that aren't going to necessarily be on the highlight film. 
he pointed out post game on Saturday that he feels like they got away from that a bit in Detroit, but it seemed they seem to have found themselves once again in Chicago on Sunday. So it's a team that's getting a, not as talented as last year's team right now. So I think it's a matter of just getting that mentality that you're going to go in there, you're going to win the puck battles, and you're going to outwork the other team, and that's how you're going to win hockey games. No, I think a very good point you made last week that that sometimes is not considered by fans as much as it should be is the the chemistry that a team can build when they have a, an extended road trip. And I thought, you know, kind of heading into last week and then, you know, beginning this week out there and playing all these games on the road, I thought this team looked more in sync with one another, and I, and I attribute that to them having this kind of experience. And so you got to watch them play in person. Did, did you feel like there was just a different vibe around the team that maybe they benefited from this road trip? I feel like there was more of an air of confidence with the team, and they weren't panicking as much as I felt like they were earlier in the season. You look, for instance, um, after two of Chicago's goals, the Wild struck back within 30 seconds. So, you know, there was no there was no panic as he uh, gave up a goal. They just came back and got it back right away. And I think that's a, that's a sign of a team that um, is just isn't um, faced by the situation. A couple of guys off to great starts, but I want to focus on two in particular. One I know that you were very high on last season when he was with the Iowa Wild, Kalen Addison doing a great job on defense of them, seven assists in the first nine games of the season. You thought of him as a, a guy who could be a great two-way player for, this, for the big club, and he really looks like he's a person who's developing good presence out there for the Minnesota Wild and has gotten some very valuable minutes for them. It seems like they're not hesitating on putting him on the ice in key situations either, and I think that's a good sign he's been – with him on the power play, Matt Dumba, who was a mainstay on the power play for many years, um, now is not on the power play. So that should tell you a lot about what they think of Addison as far as um, anchoring the top uh, power play unit. Addison's only D-man out there. I believe um, Matt, they're going with four forwards in those situations. I believe Matt Bodie is playing one of the points. So that should speak volumes on what they think of Addison as on the blue line. Five of his seven points are have come on the power play. Now the other guy, Matt Boldy, spent a, a, an early part of the season with the Iowa Wild, then came up to Minnesota, kind of split back and forth during the season, has made his presence known this season, having a great year at five goals and three assists for his first nine games. What do you see as the as the ceiling for him this year? What 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 kind of overall season are you looking for, Matt Boldy? I'm I don't really. The numbers would be great. It'd be great if he had 30-plus goals. I think that helps uh, minimize the impact of Kevin Fiala leaving. But I think the impact of Bodie will be just his confidence level on the ice. And I, I'm i seeing it increase where he's not panicking. He's not giving um, up the puck in the offensive zone. He, and when he doesn't have the puck, you could tell last night on both of his goals, his first goal, there was a puck battle on the side. He got himself in the slot, ready for a pass. Well, one happened to trickle out. He had a mini breakaway. He scores. On the other goal, the, the battle was on the wall, and 
I believe um, Erickson Eck came out of that, uh, the battle at the puck. Goaltender Alex Daylock came out to play Erickson Eck, and Bodie found the right spot to be on the ice where Erickson Eck managed to find him with the puck, and it was just a layup for Bodie. You know, a lot of those goals, we say, well, geez, we could have scored that. But, you know, it's one thing, yeah, the, it looks like an easy goal, but Bodie had the foresight and the initiative to find the right spot on the ice to be to receive the pass and make that goal look pretty easy. This week, team returns back home, takes on Montreal on Tuesday night, then welcomes the Seattle Kraken on Thursday. Uh, you know, kind of over the last few seasons, you have a, a, a recent expansion team, a, a Montreal Canadian team that has been struggling over the last few years. This looks like an opportunity to come away with four points for the club. I guess the concern I have is the injuries right now. Uh, they've the Wild called up Stephen Fogarty on Monday afternoon, and sounds like he'll be possibly in the lineup as soon as Tuesday. I think it's going to be imperative for whoever they slot in the top two lines to produce because we may have bottom two lines, maybe lines that you send out there to just um, grind it out and make sure that the opponent doesn't score. So I think it'll be a test for the Wild on that front too see if they can keep their identity while being down a few players. But four, four, oh, I'm Monday's sorry, go a, ahead. Monday's a, I mean, I'm sorry, Tuesday night's a tough game, I believe, because after a road trip, they always say the first game after a road trip um, is a tough one because you're getting caught up on everything at home, and sometimes the focus isn't there. Then Thursday night with Seattle, it, you know, I think they're catching the Kraken at the right time, too, where they play their game, they should be able to come out with a win. Minnesota enters the week 4-4-1, four, four, and one, uh, nine points. They are currently in tied for fifth, tied for fourth, excuse me, in the Central Division. Uh, Montreal coming into town is at 5-4-0. Oh. Uh, they are in tied for fourth as well in their division. And then you got the Seattle Kraken, 4-4-2, four, four, and two, who are tied for third in the Pacific Division this week. So, um, three teams that are all looking to try to get a little bit higher up the standings here, and so we should see some exciting hockey for sure. Okay, well, let's go to the Iowa Wild. They also head out on the road uh, for the first time this season. Uh, had a tough start to their year at home going 0-2-2. Come away with their first victory on Saturday night, and it was a very decisive one over the Manitoba Moose. And I think what you established in that win is that they managed to score five goals. I think, without looking at it, I believe it was four goals and then an empty net goal. But, you know, that was the thing we felt that was holding this team back was the offense, and it was good to see a output like that in Manitoba on Saturday. Sammy Walker with two goals in that game, Kevin. Yeah. Two power play goals. First of all, that's great that this, the, the rookie out there is getting some opportunity to play on some special teams, especially in a key position like that. But, man, th this youngster looks like he really could be the real deal for this team. He's an interesting story. I, I Maybe we did talk about him a bit last week. You know, he was a seventh-round pick by Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay chose not to sign him, and he – Signs with the hometown Minnesota Wild after playing four years at the University of Minnesota. And, you know, when I saw that, I thought, well, okay, well, he'll be a third or fourth liner with Iowa. But 
you know, he's um, he stepped in right away and has become an important part of the offense. Yeah, contribute to Tim Army for recognizing something that's going on with him and really putting him in some key spots out there where he has been huge for this team. Two power play goals, as you said, Adam Beckman with an empty net tally to make it a, a 5-2 to two victory. Zach, excuse me, Zach, Zane McIntyre stops 33 of 35 shots in the game. You know, he's looking like you, you talked early on about trying to get himself into form after not playing as much in the preseason. But it looks like now that he's getting into a regular action for him, we're, we're seeing the Zane McIntyre we got last year. And that's just so reassuring for a team, too, that where they know if they make a mistake on defense, they, they know they have a goalie back there that can bail them out. Uh, Joe Hicketts, to assist in that game, He's a guy I think that this club has to depend on quite a, a bit this season. I'm not looking for a huge amount of offensive production out of him. I think he's a guy who comes away with 40, 45 points out of this team this year. But with a lot of their their key defensemen from last year moved up, um, Hicketts, who has some experience in Tim Army's system, I, I think becomes a guy they really need to lean on. And, you know, comes in as the, one of the assistant captains. I'm, I'm figuring beyond leadership – He's going to be a guy they're going to be depending upon to be a big key for this team. Well, he is an AHL veteran, so that's the key part, and that's what you need your your veteran to do is lead on the ice and in the locker room. And Hicketts has a history of putting up points in this league, so I think we'll see a, if he stays healthy, we'll see a good season out of him. You know, I talking about him as an assistant captain. I think they may have to make him the captain now. You got this year's captain, Mason Shaw, scored his first NHL goal on Sunday night. We forgot to mention that. You know, that's a huge moment for Shaw. So many years, so many injuries that he had to bounce back from. It was just a great moment to see him get a goal. But the way he's playing, he may not be back. And now Stephen Fogarty has been called up. He was the other assistant captain. So. They're going to have to name a couple more assistants and maybe elevate Hicketts up to team captain now. And there are quite a few moves that are, have been made throughout the system. Hunter Jones returned back from the Iowa Heartlanders early on in the week. I believe Brandon Baddock was also brought up. Um, and so there's going to be some changes. Hunter Jones did not play over the weekend, but uh, he's a guy looking to try to establish or reestablish himself as a person who at least deserves a shot within the system. And I, I was glad to see that him get back with the AHL club. I, I'm pretty high on this kid. I know that he, he struggled last year, Kevin, but I really think he could be a difference maker for the Wild, even if he only appears in 2025 games to, at the AHL level. I really don't know what the deal was there. Is we don't know if um, Jasper Volstead is injured or. If he maybe there was visa issues where he couldn't get into Canada for the two games, and no, nobody really came out and said flat out why Jones was called up. We thought maybe because they're going to go up to Manitoba and they wanted to bring three goalies with just in case there was an injury. But I noticed on the score sheet, Volstead did not skate or was not on the score sheet for either game, and Jones was so. Not sure if we're seeing an injury with Volstead or if it was a visa issue or what, but I know that that transaction also put uh, the Heartlanders in a bind, which we'll talk about in a little bit here. 
On Sunday, the team took it on the chin, four to one loss. They do score first in the game as Michael O'Leary, O'Leary, excuse me, getting his first goal of the season. But Manitoba, which is a, a tough team at home, winds up battling back. Cole Meyer with two goals in the game. Uh, they do get a power play goal, two power play goals in the contest, finishing up two for four on that. Zane McIntyre looked like I, I thought he played fairly well in the game, Kevin, but you know didn't didn't get a lot of help. Uh, defensively, and, and you know, team just had an off day there in the second day in Manitoba. And it, it tends to happen, like you said. I didn't see the game, so I don't know if he was um, uh, left for dead on those goals or what. But, you know, glance at the score sheet here, I see I see Joseph Cramarosa um, jacked up the penalty minute totals for himself with um, 17 minutes <laughs> in that game. Yeah, a little feisty on uh, on Sunday for, for sure. The game did get testy at some points. No, no, no denying that in any way. Um, you know, these are two heated rivalries uh, against one another. The second period had a a, a, a couple of incidences. Cramarosa was involved in both of them, and um, eventually was got, got a game misconduct uh, out of that. And you know, there was something festering between a couple of different Manitoba players during the contest and Cramarosa in particular for, for the wild eventually boiled over in a couple of instances out there. And, um, you know, again, two heated rivals, division rivals, you know, you're going to get those kinds of battles, struggles, frustrations that go on during the season. So it'll be interesting to see how that carries forward, Kevin, because hockey players have a long memory. It always seems like. And they will meet up again. So, division rivals. Absolutely. Well, the team returns home this week, Kevin, as they take on Grand Rapids on Thursday and Friday, then head to Rockford on Sunday. Uh, Division rivals, and these are teams that last year finished ahead of them, uh, you know, got them bounced out of the playoffs. Grand Rapids right now 4-3-0 through their first seven games. Rockford 3-3-0. Rockford, I think, is the biggest of them. And I'm not meaning like Grand Rapids games don't matter. Um, I I look at those as important because they have not played very well at home, and you want to try to start earning some some home victories here. But Rockford is always a a close rivalry, uh, very heated contest. So should be very exciting three games for the Wild this week. It definitely should. The game on Thursday is a 10.30 in the morning game. So if you're... If you're within the Des Moines area, you don't have anything to do on Thursday, and you don't mind a lot of screaming kids, uh, I'd say Wells Fargo Arena could be the place for you. Yeah, and head down to that game. Well, not me. I I don't know. I just my screaming kid tolerance is pretty dang. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you hear the theme of SpongeBob SquarePants and who let the dogs out and. Any other um, kid rile up um, type of song, but baby shark. You know, if you be making noise, it will make for a pretty neat atmosphere for the players too. But then they followed up with, like you said, with the seven o'clock game on Friday night, which is usually a fun night in downtown Des Moines. You know, you get the beer deal before the game, and there'll be another good division matchup before they have a day off, and then go battle the Rockford Icehogs on the road. It'll be the third game in four days, so it'll be a test to see what the what Iowa can do against a division rival in Rockford. 
Before jumping down to the Heartlanders, let's just talk briefly, Kevin. Manitoba, 5-1-1 one, one through the first uh, seven games this season. You know, it's a team that played very well last season, but the Chicago Wolves were just so dominant in this division. Boy, but Manitoba really off to a fast start this year. Hard to see what it is if there was a influx of young talent that came in through drafts that's carrying them, or if they went out and got some ECH, or I'm sorry, AHL veterans to bolster the club. So I know it is a little bit of a different looking Manitoba club, but so far they're they're off to a good start. Heading back to the Heartlanders now after dropping their first two home games of the season, giving up six goals in each of those contests. Uh, the team headed onto the road and did not fare much better, losing on Friday in Kalamazoo 6-3, to giving up four goals in the first period of that contest, then going to Cincinnati, holding a 2 to nothing lead before giving up five goals, instead of including four in the third, then losing to Wheeling 2 nothing on Sunday. Um, got some quality goaltending on Sunday, Kevin, but unfortunately the offense failed them, and this team looks really struggling to try to determine an identity early on. No doubt about it, Bailey Birkin, after struggling on Friday night, um, gave him a good performance, stopping 37 to 39. But look at the shots on goal. Every and out shot it two to one, and with um, Wheeling out shooting the the Heartlanders 16 to two in the second period, but somehow Birkin kept them in the game, um, stopping all 16 shots, but then got out shot 11 to seven in the third. So. You know, in a, in a league where the defense isn't as systematic as it is on other levels, uh, you got to be getting more than 20 shots on goal a game. Well, if there's one thing to take away from that Sunday contest, you know, it, it's I think that they have been a team that has played very well for 40 minutes of games. And it's been that one period that has just doomed them in every one of these contests. I mean, you lost to... To Idaho, where you gave up five goals on the opening night, then you gave up in the first period, then you gave up four the next night in in games that you would have won if you take those those periods out of it. And I don't mean like that those you know the game is obviously sixty minutes, but it's it's you know a brief lapse early on that was causing them. Same thing in Kalamazoo; they they had a tough night on Saturday against Cincinnati where they played great for forty minutes, and then all of a sudden the Cyclones battled back and came away with a victory out of that. At least they got a 60-minute performance out of the team on, on Wheeling on Sunday. Unfortunately, just couldn't generate any offense, as you said, because of not generating enough shots on net. And you just wonder on this team, you know, Chris Bennett was such a huge part of this club, and you just wonder who was going to be the guy that's going to pick up the slack from Bennett leaving and. Right now, I don't see anybody that has really done that thus far, and it's led to a pretty, pretty punchless offense so far. Well, it was a tough night in Kalamazoo on Friday night. They give up two power play goals and a um, an empty net goal in that contest. They did score two power play goals of their own. Jake Smith with one, Kevin Connolly, excuse me, uh, James Sanchez with the other. Uh, Conley's looked very good for this club early on. A couple of goals for them through the first couple of games there and has really been an offensive, a guy they need to lean on to try to get some offensive production. But as you said, Kevin, you don't really replace a Chris Bennett very easily. 
So you're probably looking for two or three guys to step up and, and provide his production. And uh, there are some guys out there that are doing that. Conley's look good. Jake Smith is, is having a, a, some early season success. But then you're tra- talking about, well, who's picking up their production from last year? And right now I don't feel like there's anybody that they can count on to be a 30-35 goal scorer on this club. There's not, and if that's going to be the case, you're going to have to get this team to buy into a defensive system where you try to lock the zone and try to keep the games a little lower scoring. Bailey Birkin thrown in the action at the kind of at the last moment with Hunter Jones moving up on Thursday. Uh, Birkin is an ECHL veteran, has moved around in a couple of spots, played for Rapid City a few years ago, was in Wichita for a brief amount of time last year. Yeah, I, I don't really think he played badly in this game. He was, he was left out on an island in a lot of situations and uh, gives up five goals on 36 shots. Uh, but as you said, comes back on Sunday, uh, played very well for them. I mean, he he was the reason that they were even in this game with 37 saves in the contest. And um, maybe, you know, this is a team that can play very well defensively, we saw last year, Kevin. So maybe he could be the answer for them for a little while as they're waiting to see where Jones will be at and, maybe where Corbin Kaspersky will be back with them or not. I think that's going to be the key is getting Kaspersky back and seeing where they all fit in with the, within who's going to play or not, or they're going to carry three goalies. Is one guy going to be let go? going to be interesting to see how that all turns out. You know, the trickle-down effect from the AHL is Volstead going to be playing again this week where it doesn't do Hunter Jones any good to just be sitting around in Des Moines where maybe Jones comes back and takes over the the main goaltending duties again for the Heartlanders. On Saturday night in Cincinnati, uh, the team jumps out to a 2 nothing lead, and they were just playing sensational defense. Um, Bailey, excuse me, Connor O'Brien um, gets the start for the team. I, for some reason, I feel like that's right. No, it isn't. Connor O'Brien gets to start for the team and was playing very well. I thought they were doing a good job of limiting the opportunities that Cincinnati had in front of him. He stops the first 16, 17 shots of the game. But all of a sudden, the Cyclones just clicked into another level out there for some reason. Got two power play goals. Again, special teams has been very difficult for the Heartlanders early on, uh, including the first and last goals for the Cyclones. Four in the third period to wind up coming away with the victory as there was just the team was struggling to try to generate some defensive structure against the, the Cyclones' attack, and since I wound up proving why they were early four and and0 team, so um, division games, though, Kevin Kalamazoo, you lost that, you lost Wheeling, you lost Cincinnati, and those are the the games that matter, you know, slightly more because they're your division contest. Tough to come away zero and five to start your year, but really bad to be zero and three in your division. It's uh, it's gonna be very tough to bounce back, uh, especially if this team's gonna be lacking scoring. And you know that stretch on Sunday, four, you can't give up four goals in four minutes because that's just a that's a morale killer right there. Yeah, absolutely. And you know you've been around hockey a long time as well. And when you see a team that is all of a sudden, it, there's just that four or five minute stretch where an opponent looks like they just cannot be stopped. On that bench, it can be really disheartening. You're like, man, what do we need to do to be able to stop these guys? We just can't do it. And and I think that for a young team like this, that can be 
something difficult to overcome, and it's difficult to shake off. You wind up feeling that for maybe three, four games afterward. And as you know, we have, we've talked about plenty of times in this sport, you got to have a short memory. Whether you know, we talk about it with baseball too. That got to have a short memory. You know, that game's done. There's nothing you can retroactively do about it. You just have to focus on your next one and start a winning streak. Well, they have a, a two-game schedule this week. So the team first travels to Indiana on Friday night to take on the Fuel, then come home to take on the Fort Wayne Comets on Sunday. Sunday afternoon's game's at 2.05, so get on out there and uh, enjoy. Not not much going on around the area with college football being on Saturday. So great opportunity to go check out the Heartlanders for an early afternoon affair on Saturday or on Sunday. Excuse me. Um, you get two more rival, two more division rivalry games, Kevin. What, what are you, what are you looking for out of this club? Even if they don't come away with victories this week, what, what does this club need to start doing here? I'm looking at a complete 60-minute effort uh, in both zones. I know easier said than done, but you just can't have these lapses like they've had. You know, the the two shot second period on Sunday, the four goals in four minutes on Saturday night. It's got to be a complete effort for 60 if there's um team is going to break into the win column. Did they come away with their first victory of the year this week, you think? I'd say there's a 50% chance of it. <laughs> All right. That's the way we like to hear it. Well, Kevin, before we drop you out here tonight and uh, send you out to do the numerous number of things you got going on here, let, let's just talk about early on in the season. Yeah, uh, Iowa Heartlanders, 0-5, uh, Iowa Wild, 1-5. Three and two, I believe, is what I said there a few moments ago. Uh, Minnesota Wild have had a very successful uh, road trip for the team out there. How are you feeling about the organization right now? And and you know where do you what what needs to be a little bit better as we're about to approach here in November? Well, I think both teams underwent a lot of turnover in personnel from a year ago, and I think it's a matter of find yourself as a team and I think both these teams will be better as the month of November goes along and I think we'll know a lot more about the Heartlanders and the Iowa Wild by the time um, we get to the first of the year. Two last place teams as we turn the calendar into November out right now but uh, two very good coaching staffs there's a lot of talent at this level and and I still think even though uh, we haven't seen it great so far. There is very good goaltending, and that can steal a lot of games for you out there. So uh, definitely, Kevin, a lot to feel good about out, out in the Minnesota Wild system. I think so. I, it, it's, it's fun to follow, too, I think, when you have a lot of young guys playing. Sure, maybe the wins aren't going to be there, but it's fun to see the development of these players. Absolutely. Kevin, thanks for joining me this week. My pleasure, Rob.